I'd like to welcome you to the Carlton Sheets Teleconference. My name is Dave Amberson, and this teleconference is brought to you by the PEI Online. We're here tonight to talk about the real estate investing trends of 2008, and I'd like to introduce our panel tonight. We have the host of the longest-running infomercial in the history of television, the legendary investor and the author of the No Down Payment Program, Mr. Carlton Sheets, and two of Carlton's real estate coaches who are experienced long-term investors themselves, Paul Jepson and Kent Dow. I'd like to welcome Carlton, Paul, and Kent. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. At this point, I'm going to have to put all the uh, listeners on mute. Okay. Well, 2007 was a tumultuous year for the real estate investors. Uh, going from the real estate boom to, well, you've heard the news. Carlton, what do you see as some of the trends for the upcoming year? Well, Dave, I think the trends are basically downwards. I'm glad as an investor for that, but I'm sorry for the country and and the thousands of homeowners who are going to be hurt. But, you know, I think it's like every other investment. There are going to be high points and low points, and it's happened all throughout history, and it's going to happen in the future. And it's the smart investor who will be able to weather the storm. And when I say smart, Dave, I'm talking about those who who know how to take advantage of the current market conditions to build a, a successful portfolio. There are approximately 330 markets in this country, and in 88% of them, prices are dropping. Merrill Lynch has forecast a 15% drop in median housing prices this year and, and another 10% in 2009. And the National Association of Realtors forecasts only a 5.3% drop, but let's face it, when you consider that the median home price has gone from 229000 last year to $198,700 in January, in either scenario, it's a huge price drop. Now, what I'm leading up to is this. Now and over the course of this year, it is an absolute must that you become an investor or to buy a home to live in. Of course, every market is different, but in most markets in the country, it's a buyer's market. Prices are low, and people are negotiable. They're anxious to sell. And think about this. If you play the market right now and take advantage of the situation, you can solve some of the biggest challenges of your future. You can pave the way for a comfortable retirement without having to rely on on Social Security. Watch your money grow for your children's education needs or, or a more comfortable retirement for yourself. Now is the time to sow the seeds. What are your thoughts, Kent? Uh, Carlton, I agree with you. You know, I think there's uh, a real, I, I don't think it's just necessarily what we call a trend to foreclosures, but really we're seeing a lot more foreclosures in the marketplace than we have in recent years. But, you know, foreclosures aren't the only opportunity in this market. Well, you know, here's what's happened and what is happening. As the subprime borrowers, and boy, that's made headlines, hasn't it, subprime borrowers? As they took out mortgages, many found that they couldn't even afford the initial low teaser rates, and within six to ten months, they started missing payments. And the statistics are incredible. For example, in the United States, one out of every 534 homes is in foreclosure right now. In Cape Coral, Fort Myers, Florida, it's one out of 86. By state, the highest is Nevada with one out of 167. To give you an example of the situation close to my home, normally there are about 45 to 55 foreclosures that are filed every month. But in January, there were 715. Now, granted, I think some of this has occurred because of, oh, job loss or sickness, but for the most part, it was plain and simply that the borrowers didn't have enough money to make the payments, and this, along with the, with the drop in the value of their property, made them throw up their hands and just say, I can't or won't make any more payments. And this starts the foreclosure process. Now, the foreclosure process, as you all can imagine, can vary state by state, but in general, 
there are three stages of foreclosure. A pre-foreclosure, the foreclosure sale, and then the bank owning the property, what we call REOs for real estate-owned property. In the pre-foreclosure stage, this occurs after a payment is missed and the borrower will receive letters from the lender. Now, normally after about three months, the lender will declare that it's a formal breach of the loan's terms and conditions, and they'll accelerate the mortgage, calling the entire amount due and payable. They then file a Liz pendens or a pending lien at the courthouse. Next is the foreclosure sale, and this occurs after a waiting period, sometimes even six or seven months, and, the, and then the property is going to be sold on the courthouse steps or in some states in the office of a trustee. It is remarkable to me that even though the amount owed exceeds the value of the property by as much as 10 to 20%, in most cases the lender will not let the property go for this amount. Instead, they'd prefer to take title of the property for the amount owed on the mortgage. And, of course, the last stage is the REO stage, where the property is owned by the bank, and they need to sell it as quickly as possible. Now, Kent, I understand that you have a lot of experience in buying properties in the, in the pre-foreclosure stage. Well, yes, Carlton, I have done a bit in that, and certainly a lot of the people that I coach on a regular basis uh, are buying and looking at properties in the uh, pre-foreclosure stage. And I think mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of interesting when we say pre-foreclosure. I mean, for the end of foreclosure, as you said, is when actually the property is brought to sale. And But before that, the owner of the property really has a great deal of control of what happens, even though it's the bank or the lender who has actually started initiated the foreclosure procedure. There's another sort of a buzzword that we are hearing now that we hadn't heard in many years, or maybe it's something just really a new word that's used. It's, it's called a short sale. And I think a lot of our listeners are going to hear this term, short sale, and that really takes place in this pre-foreclosure stage that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the property is going to be sold short, but the one that we have to get involved in that is the lender. The lender has to agree to accept less money than is what is owed on the property. And so if we see opportunities, sometimes we'll find somebody in our neighborhood or we hear somebody, uh, sometimes an ad in the newspaper, we call and we find out, and as you mentioned, this property's value is dropping. Uh, sometimes the, the bank is owed more money than what the property would actually bring in a sale. Uh, sometimes we use the term the seller is upside down in the property, meaning they owe more money than it will actually bring. So mm-hmm. at this stage, we do have an opportunity as investors to work with the seller, but again, we we also have to involve the lender in this because it's the lender who says, I'm willing to accept less money than was really owed to me. In fact, I was reading several articles recently where it said that an average lender, if they go through the foreclosure, loses about $50,000. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes a case where the lender would rather lose a lot of money or a little bit of money. And, of course, I guess we all, being uh, somewhat business-oriented, we know it's better to lose a little. We don't want to lose any, but we'd rather lose a little rather than lose a lot. And so we have to then approach the lender. And so there's a number of things that a... Uh, investor would need to do. I mean, we have to get the cooperation of the seller. The seller, I want to sell my property, and then usually, as the investor, we'll start to work with the lender to see if they'll be willing to sell the property doing a short sale. And lenders generally have a packet 
If you're dealing with a realtor, a realtor will have this uh, packet or be able to get it for you. But if you're dealing with a for sale by owner, you can contact the lender with the permission of the seller and get this uh, short sale packet. And there's a number of things that you have to get there. A, a, a seller has to show that they're really uh, in a difficult situation. Sometimes it's called a hardship letter that they have to write, uh, do the financial paperwork that the um, lender requires. There's also something that they call a broker's price opinion. In other words, the lender needs to know and feel confident that if the property were put on the open market, the property would not bring as much money as needed to pay off what is owed to the lender. So there's just a number of things, but again, it may seem complicated, but again, if you have a broker working with you, a real estate agent working with you, they can help you through it, or again, the lender will tell you what needs to be done. But here's another opportunity to buy property uh, before it actually goes to the foreclosure sale. It certainly minimizes your competition at the foreclosure sale if you're working directly with the seller and with the lender. So that's another way in which we can do it. And I've just coached quite a few people recently who are dealing with these types of opportunities and where they're making the letters, uh, getting the the packets put together. I think one thing it might be just good to remember, though, when you're dealing with a lender, things just don't move along as quickly as you perhaps would like to. But there's many good opportunities uh, using the short sale, and I think our listeners will, as they pay attention to articles and listen to people talk, they'll hear this term more and more. Uh, besides the foreclosure. But I understand, Paul, Paul, you've kind of been working somewhat in the foreclosure market also, haven't you? I have. You know, I've, I've had the opportunity to, to do short sales, um, but my, I've always enjoyed being able to uh, look at the property and work with the property, starting uh, with actually uh, information that I have gathered from uh, a title company where they have been able to inform me of a notice of default and gives me the opportunity to check on a property and uh, look at its condition prior to uh, going through the entire foreclosure process. At that particular time, I, if the individuals were still living in their home, I could approach them on a short sale. And at that same time, if they chose to try and salvage their home, then maybe there was an then there's a possibility that they were not able to be successful in catching their payments up. And so at that particular time, then it goes to the foreclosure cell, which a lot of times is handled at the courthouse steps. Um, Now, during this foreclosure cell, uh, a lot of uh, counties will require that you have the cash available or you actually have evidence of the money available to pay for that property um, sometimes even that very day. There are also some counties that will have you put up a $5,000 uh, non-refundable earnest money, and then you're able to obtain your financing within the next 30 days from that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but these properties, you know, as I have found, generally are very distressed. Um, a lot of them eventually are, are vacant. Uh, sometimes they're not. Um, but I have had uh, very good success in being able to purchase the properties at the foreclosure sale. Now, at one time, uh, when I had started out you know, in the foreclosure process several years ago, a lot of times it was just myself that was showing up to the sale. Um, as this has become more and more um, prevalent and more and more people have had this brought to their 
understanding of the opportunity to buy a property below market, um, we're finding more people that are attending um, these foreclosure sales. And so generally, though the property is distressed, you, you do want to do the best evaluation that you can on the property because you buy, you get what you, you pay for. You purchase that property as is. Mm-hmm. Um, Carlton, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, a few minutes ago I said I didn't understand why banks are not more realistic about selling the property at the, at the foreclosure sale, even if they have to take a bath on the amount that's owed to them. I guess it's probably a function of the number of loans that they have chosen to retain in their portfolio and how many of them are in default. But, you know, in a way, Paul, I think we'll see more and more of this, more and more short sales and more foreclosures in the months ahead. But there are benefits to them taking the property back, at least from the standpoint of us as investors. First, for example, they're going to be extremely motivated to sell the property, and we may get a better price or terms than we would have if we bought on the courthouse steps. The title is going to be clear, and the property is going to be vacant. The only disadvantage that I see is that the, prop, is that the bank is going to, to have to probably pay a real estate broker because ordinarily they list the property with brokers, so there's a commission to be paid. And what you said, as a buyer, you've got to be pre-qualified for conventional financing or come up with some other uh, tactic or a way to buy that property, and I, and I did it by using partners early on. Well, interesting, my most recent foreclosure, I... I happened to be the lender. I had sold a property using seller financing. The person bought it from me, and I let them owe me money. And uh, in the course of time, they got behind in some payments, and I worked with them for a while. But it just appeared that it occurred that they weren't going to be able to, you know, make the payments needed. And so I was forced into the position of saying, you know, I need you to pay me, and they wanted to. And but eventually, I contacted my attorney and went to started the foreclosure procedure and I went all the way and I went to the courthouse steps with my attorney and there were a number of other people there and interesting you know because I had deeded the property over to these people who bought it from me even though uh, I was owed money uh, it wasn't my property I was just there as a lien holder foreclosing on the property and um, nobody bid higher than what was owed to me and so consequently I got the property Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there was maybe about maybe $20,000 equity in it, not a huge amount, but nonetheless, uh, we've gone to foreclosure sales before, but this time, my most recent one, I was the one who was uh, foreclosing on the property. So there's opportunities uh, there, and I, I could sort of start to feel somewhat what banks feel uh, when they actually foreclose on properties too. But there's a great opportunity, you know, in the, in the real estate market, and I think uh, Carlton pointed out here to us again that, you know, Sometimes it seems somewhat fearful uh, to us, and we see the real estate market uh, properties values dropping, more foreclosures and whatnot. But in reality, and Carlton kind of introduced this thought at the very beginning, that is really a great opportunity for investors. Again, you've got to know your market. Just to run out and buy a property at foreclosure sale doesn't guarantee anything. In fact, I quite like the, uh, the statement that says, you know, real estate can make you rich, but it can also make you poor. And so you want to you, you you want to make sure that you're making good decisions, and so certainly getting out there and finding out what what the market value of property is, and then too, being able to find out what you can rent that property for. Because while we're waiting for the market to recover, which I believe that it will, it real estate goes through cycles. You want 
your tenant to be making the payments on that property for you. When they pay the rent to you, you take the rent money and you make the mortgage payments, and then you can sit there and hold that property until the property value does go up. And at that point, should you so choose, you can sell the property and take your your profits in. So there's still many great opportunities, uh, even in this kind of market. In fact, as, as was said by Carlton, probably even more opportunities. More opportunities that sellers, as I was, was willing to carry financing because nothing's changed as far as people needing to sell. The same reasons were there before we had this kind of turn, downturn in the economy and in the real estate market. People still uh, have babies. They need bigger houses. People still have job transfers. People still get divorced. People still die. They still do all the things they did before the market changed. And so people still need to move, and so people will take opportunity and go to what I call Plan B. Plan B, Plan A was somebody comes in, gives them all the money for the property, and they're on their way. If that doesn't work, then Plan B, somebody comes in and says, look, I can start making payments to you, take care of the mortgage payments you have in this property now so you can move on, then people will consider that opportunity. Well, you know, what you said I think is very important, and that is it takes the knowledge. Knowledge to know the property's value, and once you find a property that you're interested in, and the knowledge of the techniques that can be used to buy that property creatively. So now that you acquired one of these properties you have in your possession, what do the the investors prefer to do with it once they've got it? Well, you know, this is Paul. It really depends on what the market uh, dictates in your area. There are pockets of areas that the market is still doing well, and regardless of what's happening out there in what we call the so-called trends, some areas just don't go down in value. However, as a general rule, right now, it is a buyer's market. Um, Basically, it it doesn't mean that it's impossible to buy a property and then immediately flip it, but right now the odds are better to buy a property and hold it today. Basically, it, it really doesn't matter what the media says. And just as Ken said, people still need a place to live. Whether they're going to rent a property, whether they're owning a property, there's always going to be a situation where a family, a growing family, needs to upsize. A retiring family, you know, retiree wants to downsize. And the market is never going to be totally stagnant. Mm -hmm. We're always going to have this going on in our market. You know, and there's just certain things that you need in life. You need a place to live, and you need food to eat. And so with those type of things that we have out there, we still, real estate is still a great investment. Kent? Amen. <laughs> I, I agree. I, 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 think, I think one of the, uh, the thoughts, too, is, you know, you know, when people are listening to this and they think, well, gee, how do I get into this opportunity? What happens if I don't have you know, have money, and I think this is where Carlton's program has been so meaningful, and I've been coaching uh, Carlton's program for the last uh, 12 years, and uh, it teaches opportunities of how to uh, find ways to buy property without using any of your own money. Now, if you've got some money, you even open up the door wider. You have more opportunities, but if you don't have money, there's still ways in which to buy property. In fact, one of the a great way is something we call a lease option. You lease the property, which is really kind of like uh, renting the property, but you have the option, or the ch- but another word for option is choice. You have the choice to buy that property. You preset the, 
the price that that property can be bought for, and within the time frame, if you exercise your option, you can buy that property. And as the property goes up in value uh, over the time that you've got this lease option, it gives you the uh, opportunity to get financing on it because now you've got equity in it, or you'll find another person who will want to buy the property from you and we do something we call a simultaneous close, where the mm-hmm. person who buys it from you provides the money that you use the money to buy it from the person that you leased the property initially. So there's just a number of different techniques. And so I, uh, again, Carlton, thank you very much for making those uh, techniques more visible and aware uh, awareness of them. But have you? Uh, I guess you uh, have had many a success story of people who use those techniques, haven't you? Oh, I sure have. I can't begin to tell you. And there are many creative ways to to buy property, as you said. And it it obviously helps if you have good credit and you can get financing. But if you don't have it, there are other ways. And and I remember when I first started out, and I I almost hate to tell people it's been over 35 years as an investor, I had no credit and I had no cash, so I used other people's money. I put together partnerships and, and, uh, and bought property that way, initially very small properties and then larger and larger. So... It's a matter of being creative, having a sense of direction, and and going back to either what you or whether it was you or Paul that said it. Just getting the having the knowledge so important. We're getting a little low on time. It's been a great conversation. I've been learning a lot, but we got some more questions for you, gentlemen. Uh, what advice would you give somebody who's just getting started? You know, when I was uh, going to the auctions, and and to be honest, you know, as I've been in the real estate business, I've I've had the opportunity of being in the business for. Uh, just a little over 25 years. Uh, during that course of time, I've purchased uh, several investment properties, but my wife and I have also purchased uh, 19 homes that we have actually moved in and uh, uh, you know fixed up and then sold so that we could move into another home. Out of those 19 homes, 17 of the homes were all financed by the seller. And we were not in a, sometimes we were not even in a distressed market, but we knew what we wanted. Now, there's other times where I've used uh, lines of credit, and I've also used, uh, as Carlton has said several times, partners, or I've even used uh, hard money lenders. What a great story. Well, too, and I, I think the the greatest thing, well, I, greatest, there's, there's kind of two fronts here. One is education, the other is experience, and they're not exclusive of each other and as I said you know Carlton's done a wonderful job in helping to educate people and we certainly do that as coaches to help educate them and get them out doing the things so there's just you know a number of educational books there's some websites and whatnot that we'll mention to you later on that you can go and start to learn to do this and uh, you know just getting out and, and just observing things start, start, when you see a sign call and ask how much are you asking for that property you know they don't they don't shoot you for asking questions like that. But yet it it, it 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 increases your education. You see a for rent sign, you call up and you say, "Saw your sign. What uh, what are you renting your property for? You tell me a little bit about it." And just by doing that on a consistent basis, it isn't long before you th- you say to yourself, "You know, you drive by a property, and you say, I wouldn't be surprised they'd be asking maybe one thirty five for that property." And you call up and they say, "Yeah, we're asking." Uh, one thirty four nine, and you say, "Darn, I'm getting good at this because, <laughs> you know, you, you, it just as you start to do those experiences, you will learn. But again, you know, take the opportunity to learn from other people too. So I think that's a great thing, David, that people can be doing to get themselves ready to take oppor- 
take advantage of these opportunities. Well, Ken, I, do, I could not agree more. I just, I, I just feel like shaking people and say, just take the first step. Uh, and, you know, I urge everyone to go to our website. It's www.thepeionline.com. The real estate course is free there. The one we've been selling for years is now free to give you more information. You, you can learn at your own pace in the comfort of your own home. And if you need assistance, we can give you the resources you need to succeed. Let me give you that website again. It's www.thepeionline.com. Just get started. Gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for being here today. You've certainly given everyone, including me, a lot of valuable information. Now, for all of you on the call that want to put this information into action, there's no better way than to work with one of Carlton's expert coaches like Kent and Paul. You know, a coach will work with you, and they'll be with you step by step, and they'll show you the ins and the outs of the successful real estate investing. And I know Carlton is that he extends an ironclad warranty that if you qualify to participate with a coach and you do your part, you will buy at least one property while you're enrolled. In fact, Carlton wants to extend a special bonus savings of $500 off this program for participating on the call. The telephone number that you can call to get started right away is 1-800-211-3720, extension 1008. Let me repeat that. The number is 1-800-211-3720. 3720, and the extension is 1008. And if you want to listen to this teleseminar again, log in to thepeionline.com and click on the resource link at the top of the page, and then click on podcast, and you'll find a link for the seminar. We want to thank you for participating tonight, and we'd like to see you next time. Have a good evening. Goodbye.